recorded live on my cell phone in front of a studio audience of one who's forced to cheer because she still lives at home. This is Finding Our Freedom. Hello and thank you for joining us for another episode of Finding Our Freedom. This is episode 6 and today is August 31st, 2020. Today, we are speaking about leadership. But first, today in history. So today, August 31st in 1897, Thomas Edison patented the first Kentograph. This was the first video camera, honestly. Um, anyway, Edison had developed the camera and its viewer in the early 1890s and staged several demonstrations to show its worth. The camera was based on photographic principles discovered by steel photographer Joseph Nicephone and Louis de Guar of France. In 1877, inventor Edward Myberg had developed a primitive form of motion pictures when Leland Stanford, uh, the governor at the time of California, invited him to develop photo studios of animals in motion. Myberg developed an ingenious system for photographing sorry for for photographing sequential motion setting up 24 cameras attached to trip wires stretched across a racetrack as the horse tripped each wire the shutter snapped the resulting series of photos could be projected as something resembling a motion picture you can actually find a version of this i'm not sure if it's the actual one but a version of this on youtube uh, this breakthrough in the early 1870s inspired another student of Animo Motion, Etienne Jules Marais of France, to develop in 1882 a rotating camera, rather like a rifle, where different pictures were taken in a rapid sequence by a rotating cartridge. I think this is more the one that you can find. So. Unlike these earlier cameras, however, Edison's kinetoscope and kinetograph used celluloid film invented by George Eastman in 1889. In February 1893, Edison built a small movie studio that could be rotated to capture the best available sunlight. He showed the first demonstration of his films, featuring three of his workers pretending to be blacksmiths in May of 1893. The invention inspired French inventors Louis and Auguste Lemire to develop a movie camera and projector. The cinematography that allowed a large audience to view a film. Several other cameras and projectors were also developed in the late 1800s. This actually led to a theater war of some type between Edison and everyone else who wanted to do this where Edison controlled a lot of the items needed to put on a show and a lot of the movies uh, theaters themselves and ensured that only his shows were shown. On top of that if a theater did decide to show someone else's uh, Edison would send thugs out in order to uh, ensure that uh, the other movies weren't shown. Um, just the way life was back in 
the 1800s. Um, you can see a lot of examples of this through a lot of our quote-unquote leaders of industry. But leading through fear is not the subject we're going to be talking about today. Um, today we're going to be talking about the traits that a leader should actually have. It seems that we are missing something in our society, and that is true leadership. Leadership provides guidance and direction and makes sure that people throughout our society are doing the right thing. Unfortunately, since we can't find it within our local community, people have been looking elsewhere. Some look to our politicians, others to sports stars, and some even to actors. While some of the people in these positions can offer some sort of leadership, others offer none, and some are not interested in doing so. But what is leadership? The Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines leadership as the office or position of a leader, the capacity to lead, or the act or an instance of leading. While this points out the importance of leading, it doesn't answer what leadership is, what the traits of leadership are. So, what is leadership? Well, it depends on who or what organization you are asking. Leadership means different things to different people, depending on the place, organization, and situation. For example, the definition changes to fit the leader. It could relate to a community, religious, political, the leadership of companies, teams, or families, all requiring different traits and resources. The bottom line, though, is like one of our former presidents, Dwight D. Eisenhower, once said, leadership is the art of getting someone else to do something you want to do because he wants to do it. Leaders are those that are expected to ensure themselves and others do the right things. They set the direction for their organization by building an inspiring vision and creating something new. Leadership is about knowing where you are and mapping out the path to where you need to be, both as a team and as a person. While remaining dynamic, exciting, and inspiring, leadership is getting people to follow you. But instead of just telling people what to do and making sure that they do it, leaders need to create a situation where the direction of the organization is set and that people move forward to that direction. My time in the Army taught me that leaders share a specific set of traits, being loyalty, duty, respect, selfless service, honor, integrity, and, of course, personal courage. You should build on the same characteristics in your life. But how can we use these values in our lives to better our teams, our projects, our own personal lives, and eventually our community and world? Well, let's break down each of these to the bare essence and see how we can use each one. Believing in and devoting yourself to the mission statement of the organization, the team, your family, and other personnel on your team, in your organization, support and stand up for your fellow team members. By doing your share, you show your loyalty to your organization, and in return, they'll show their loyalty to you. Loyalty is crucial to any organization, and if the leadership is not loyal and willing to have their teams back, the team will not have the back of the leader. If the leaders do not believe in the mission of the organization, no one else will either. It should go without saying 
that loyalty is crucial to the success and stability of any lasting relationship. It doesn't matter if the relationship is in business, a sports team, a romantic relationship, the relationship between family members, or in any other form. Loyalty to those making up the organization will make the difference between success or failure, smooth sailing or personnel being miserable. Being loyal is defined as being faithful to one's oath, engagements, or obligations. This definition is acceptable for a dictionary, but it doesn't explain the importance of loyalty. Loyalty cannot be an obligation imposed by outside influences. If it is, it becomes or it becomes one. The dedication is not real. It is merely forced, mandated, or coerced by those that see themselves as the leaders. Hence, there is no loyalty. Instead, loyalty must be a decision that is given freely based on the trust and respect toward those that it is being given to. Forced loyalty demanded and imposed within an organization through obligation becomes harmful. It hinders access to conscious judgment about the actions and beliefs of those in the organization. When this is done, it usually is only a matter of time before things blow up, and those being forced to show false loyalty begin to go against the leadership or others within the organization. However, if loyalty is given out of free will and personal choice because of trust and respect built between the two people or an organization and its members, it enhances the relationship. This loyalty cannot be bought, it cannot be sold, and it cannot be traded. It must be won and maintained through conscious action, and it has to be continuous. This is the difference between leading a group and just getting a group to do what you say because they fear the consequences. This loyalty will eventually build a duty, a duty to the organization and a duty to the team. Now, everyone has numerous duties and most people have numerous obligations. From the day we are born, you're part of a family and those obligations to that relationship build as you age and become responsible for more things. At first, it might be following simple rules. Then as a child, ensuring that your room is clean and you get good grades in school. When you get a job, you're given a list of things that you need to do, all part of your duties to that organization. Duty is more than just fulfilling your obligation though. Doing your duty means being able to accomplish tasks as part of a team. As humans, we are pleasure seekers. We want to find things that make us happy and avoid things that cause us pain. It is a matter of self-defense and ingrained in each of us. Most seek pleasures in career, vacations, cars, homes, our families, and so on. We want that dream career, the nice car, the big house, and the perfect family. However, many of us grumble about the obligations that we must fulfill that in the end will bring us those things while 
it may be difficult to fulfill these obligations. There's tremendous pleasure in completing what must be done and receiving the rewards of those obligations. In doing so, you're not only gaining the rewards of your actions, but you are actualizing your potential. The trick, therefore, is to focus on the benefit of fulfilling your duty. Rather than merely throwing yourself into an obligation, anticipate it in a positive light. Ask yourself, what pleasure will come because of this? So why does this happen? Why do we have such a strong drive to be good? Because we all want to be the good guy. It increases our self-respect, and it is this self-esteem that energizes us for living. If a person doesn't think he's good, he loses much of his will to live. Think about it. When you help an old lady across the street, you helped her while ensuring her safety, but the sense of satisfaction you feel is even more remarkable. Knowing that you did the right thing when all is said and done, doing the right thing is always the greatest pleasure you can find. By performing our duty and remaining loyal to our friends and others, we'll continuously earn respect. Respect is an essential part of human life. We all expect to be treated with respect in all of our interactions. What we do when we respect someone is that we recognize their value. This should be simple. Treat people as they should be treated. It shouldn't be difficult to treat those around us with dignity and respect while expecting others to do the same towards us. Respect is the one thing that allows us to appreciate the best in other people. The shortfall, however, that most have is that without respecting ourselves, we cannot respect others. When you disrespect someone, you are saying to someone, you are not valuable, you are not worthy. If you do not respect yourself, you do not find yourself worthy of others. Respect and therefore cannot give others respect. Self-respect is a vital ingredient in showing others respect. It results from knowing you have put forth your best effort. When we do show respect to others, we begin to build an unshaken and robust relationship with others by respecting each other. When a person shows respect for someone, then it means that the person has some value for them. Their advice and suggestions are essential. Some people feel that showing this to someone, however, somewhat degrades their worth. I, I don't understand this. This, however, it's, it's a complete misunderstanding. Showing respect does not show weakness. It shows immense strength. It shows that someone is secure enough in their values to be able to look out into the world to see the value that others offer to the situation and team. It is also crucial to remember that it is reciprocal. When you show respect for someone, you recognize the value in them. You treat them in a way that tells them that you find them valuable to the organization and yourself. The natural response on their behalf is to return it to you. They will view you as beneficial to them as you feel they are to you and develop a deep respect for you. Therefore, an extreme level of awareness about respect must be instilled in not only those placed in leadership, 
but in every human being from childhood on. This begins with respecting your parents, siblings, teachers, and elders as the first step in teaching the meaning and importance it has in our lives. So what do we do? It all begins by following the golden rule, simply treating others as you would want to be treated. If we all start following this simple and effective frame of thought, consciously deciding to treat others as we want to be treated, it will make the world a much friendlier and more comfortable place to live. Simply try to understand people and be tolerant rather than insulting them or their culture. Show courtesy. Treat people fairly and honestly. Listen to what they have to say. Many of us have an issue where we take up 90% of any conversation. We are so busy thinking of what we are going to say. We don't take time to listen to others. In a conflict, recognize that the issue is probably the problem, not the person that you are dealing with. It seems like today this is a huge issue for probably about 70% of the people out there. For some reason, we all tend to take things personally, when most of the time we don't need to. One thing seen as an attack can very quickly become an actual attack if we don't look at the problem we're talking about, but we take everything personal. And a misunderstanding can get in the way and get out of control, leading to multiple issues. It's equally as crucial to take care of yourself physically, mentally, and spiritually. Believe in yourself and be content to be yourself. Don't pressure yourself to compare or compete with others. When you are disrespected, stand up for yourself, showing that being disrespected is not acceptable to you that you are willing to work with someone that is going to respect you, but someone who disrespects you isn't worth your or your team's time. Multiple things go into showing and being respected. Too many to list, but it all begins with respecting yourself and showing respect to others and building from there. So the previous three items I discussed is how we build the base work for who we're going to be. Next, we need to talk about service. Selfless service is a service performed without any expectation of result or reward for achieving it. Such services can be performed to benefit other human beings or the society as a whole. It is more than likely the most difficult trait to learn, hold, and teach. In some ways, it goes against everything that we hold true as Americans and to some point as human beings. It is also the strongest belief that we can hold as individuals giving us a higher purpose. Putting the welfare of our community, our organization, our team, and our subordinates before our own can be quite difficult at times. But as leaders in each of these, it is a crucial thing we do. Selfless service is more extensive than just one person, however. In serving, you are doing your duty loyally without thought of recognition or gain. The basic building block of selfless service is the commitment of each team member to go a little further than what's expected of them, endure a little bit longer, 
and look a little closer to see how he or she can add to the effort. Though challenging, sometimes selfless service is fundamental, both from an individual perspective and from the perspective of the entire human race, without which there can be no real progression. It must be offered and provided out of a genuine and deep desire to help and be of service to others. Performing selfless service provides benefits for everyone involved, including the person doing it. It offers both mental and spiritual benefits. Now, there are areas in everyone's life where selfless service is seen daily. People committed to their families and friends, others helping each other whenever appropriate. Selfless service, however, should extend far beyond our family and friends. The meaning of it is to be there whenever the need for such assistance is apparent and appropriate and whenever it is possible to do so without any thought of self-gain. It includes the progression of all humanity and all life. Those fortunate should always help the less fortunate. Such service to others can be offered in numerous and unlimited ways, ranging from simply giving advice to those looking for it, supporting them, teaching them, to physical help. The secret is, helping others is not a special skill. It's not something that even has to be learned. We reply to the call for help the best way we can. Start where we are. Uh, start in your local community. Find something that interests you. Find something where your help is needed. Offer it. Get involved. And then get others involved in the effort to help the community or the organization as a whole. Then on top of that, ensure that you are always doing what's right. Using honor and integrity. Integrity is a quality that we all need to develop. It's a quality that lately has been missing in a lot of society. By adhering to moral principles, we build our integrity. By teaching our children to adhere to those same principles, we build their integrity. It requires that we do and say nothing that deceives others. And people can take us at our word. As our integrity grows, so does the trust others place in us. The more choices you make based on integrity, the more this highly prized value will affect your relationship with family and friends. And finally, the fundamental acceptance of ourselves. Using integrity can be scary, though. I mean, especially when we're looking at ourselves and trying to be truthful to ourselves. There, There's times in everyone's life where you'd lie to yourself to protect yourself. Um, it's not always the best thing, though. We shouldn't be afraid to to face ourselves, and we shouldn't be afraid to face adversity. Um, this is where courage is huge. With physical courage, it is a matter of enduring physical duress and at times risking our personal safety. Uh, however, facing moral fear or adversity may be a long, slow process of continuing 
forward on the right path, especially if taking those actions is not popular with others. We can build our courage daily by standing up for and acting upon the things that you know are honorable. Do what's right. Uh, by, by living by these traits, we'll find ourselves not only leading in our own life, but others looking to us as leaders. We'll be chosen leaders in our family, company, community, and society. It's not always easy to be the leader, but our families and our communities need leadership. And it's up to us to provide that leadership. Once again, this was Finding Our Freedom. I hope you all go out, have a great day, have a great week, and find a little more freedom out there.